Hi, everybody. We're starting off this episode with a, a little moment here because uh, we didn't feel right about um, not marking this moment in history. On um, November 14th, we soldiered on and held our monthly reading at the Black Sheep in Philadelphia, and it was kind of wonderful for everybody to be together and kind of horrible because for so many people in the room, it was the first time they'd seen each other since the election. So it felt very much like a um, wake and uh, it was really rough to shake it off and, and have our readers read. Uh, but Cynthia Dewey Oka uh, read a poem that she had just written in the week between called Post-Election Song of Myself. And we were so moved that we felt compelled to ask her to um, read it for us, for you. And we're going to share that with you now. So here is Cynthia Dewey. Oka. Post-election song of myself. Time walked across the street called midnight. It left us standing in a forest of pundits and their fluorescent fruit. Still, it was dim as water in the bowels of the city, as the impression that I had been here before looking over this fear in the shape of a red pudding, trembling at the fork's slightest gesture. What good is the fork when hunger is gone? There's no secret to resurrection buried under the wood. I know I am forcing the opposite of song to sing. Does it ever miss us? Time, I mean. As it strides into the fireworked night, the crowds pale with clenching their fists. A predator has been elected president. Strangely, his orangeness reminds me of hope, in the sense that as a child, I used to swallow orange seeds to transform my body into a tree. Because in place of roots, a displaced people have nerves sparkling with rings far too small for our fingers. Binders of laminated identity and mothballs to seduce time into staying a little while longer. Does it ever miss us, hung here like lanterns over the monstrous body of love? I was seven when I tried to pee standing up without a penis. The piss ran hot down my legs and I knew I had failed. The latch was rusted shut. In the ditch under the toilet seat, mosquitoes bred their empire. I banged on the door screaming, Papa, Papa, though I knew he would beat me afterward for trying to escape my body. This is how I think about race in America, that banging, because we do not want to die. A white supremacist has been elected president, and I keep thinking about the bullets hugged by my friends' brains and my father, skin smooth as teeth under a thin hospital blanket.
how he drew that last breath and everything behind it. The bus is stained with chicken shit, the ghosts in the rafters who stole his hair and the combs for his remaining hair, my mother's feet black with dried blood and everything he was willing to kill in himself to be here and hated in a new way. How that breath raged inside him and how I stood at the closed door of his life with no hammer, no key. I never did grow leaves and roots to me sound like quest love saying time will tell. Time never stops telling, which is another way of saying time will not come back to save us. The body is not a thing to escape. Here is mine. It is soft and hard at once. It pees sitting down. Sometimes it can exhale a poem out of the most poisoned air. It would eat the rusted latch before it gives in. slush pile. You know, I love how we always do something new. Well, today's newness is that there are only three of us. It's a, it, it's an, it's a uh, what did you call it, Marion? An intimate, a far-flung yet intimate group. Yes. Um, and I'm still excited as I always am. Uh, we're going to talk about poetry today. And I'm happy to have you listening in. And I'm happy to be um, in Philadelphia at Drexel's Sound uh, Recording Studio with Joe Zhang, our audio engineer, and Sarah Akit, our editorial assistant. Hi, Sarah. Hey, guys. What's up? Um, I'm Sarah Akit. I am a third-year English major at Drexel, and I'm the current editorial assistant for PBQ. And I'm also in Philadelphia. <laughs> yep. Marion. And I'm Marion Wren, and I'm calling in from NYU in Abu Dhabi. It's about 7.15 or so on Wednesday night, um, and I just got finished doing a presentation on source use and integration. <laughs> Doesn't that sound dead boring? Mm-hmm. It was actually one of the most fun conversations ever because we talked about Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> and, and Shia LaBeouf's exquisite, uh, uh, kerfuffled, ridiculous performance art slash catastrophe of plagiarism. Um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm here in Abu Dhabi. I run wow. the writing program for NYU, and I've been co-editing PBQ with Kathleen um, for some of the happiest years of my life. <laughs> it's been so many years, though. I'm glad that you've been happy most of your life, generally. It's been a good it's been Good life. Pretty much most of your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I guess to say the official stuff as well, I run the uh, publishing program uh, here at Drexel and I um, write nonfiction for various places. Google me, lots will come up, and then you can pick around. I have a really quick Shia LaBeouf story, and I was wondering where you're going to go with that. But one of my students, 
Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> she the the prompt was tell me a story no one ever believes. And um, this girl was in London and she was at a club and she went outside for a cigarette and Shia LaBeouf was there. And yeah. she went, oh, my God, it's Shia LaBeouf, kind of like one would do. And Shia LaBeouf put her in a headlock. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. Every time I yeah. hear that story, I laugh. And it's the most yeah. unfeminist thing ever. Uh, and she was going help help Shia LaBeouf has me in a headlock and and he was going shut up shut up shut up and then he and then her friends finally discovered them and that's and that's the story and then he walked away yeah 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 Yeah. so like if you're trying to not call attention to yourself (laughs) why would you put anyone in a headlock I hope well, no one listen, notices I, this. I wonder if he uh, remembers I, this. Right. <laughs> I, I am astounded by Shia LaBeouf's shenanigans, um, and I'm 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 ambivalent. Like I don't I don't know how I feel necessarily about his quote performance art slash um, plagiarism spree. But I certainly hate the story of him putting any anyone in a well, I think it's cigarette. okay to laugh. I really do. She was not injured. Okay. And, right. and as the long great, as she wasn't injured. Right. right. The great you irony know. is that he didn't want anybody to notice them. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite part yeah. of that story. So yeah. anyway. All right. Well, these poems today have nothing to do with Shia LaBeouf or source and integration. Um but, oh, but they do have to do with celebrity. Oh, kinda. that's true. Kind of, sort of. So um, our first poet today is H. Witt Williams. We're going to be discussing two of his poems. And um, he plays for the band Cotton Mather. And we're going to give you another extra special treat today and play one of their songs on a break uh, for a little break of our voices. Um, so we'll do that a little bit later, but now we're going to read and discuss Hawk Pride Mountain Nocturne. Are we ready, ladies? Okay, away we go. Hawk Pride Mountain Nocturne. The deceased leave behind their voices, some in shoeboxes stacked in the back closet of the mind, others under creaking steps in leaf whisper, water murmur, highway hum. Most, middle of the night, seek us out with their quick and dead sing-song. Disembodied, tremulous, gusting down off the pine-sided hill, an uncle's high tenor, an aunt's thick alto, a whole raging church choir from beyond the beyond. Voices pure as light, light as breath, We breathe in these voices in our sleep, taste these voices in the bittersweet sweet draught of dreams. Voices in the shapes of clouds, voices raining down the old mud-trodden hymns. Horse and buggy, us, back to that little white church in the woods. Lay roses on those headstones carved with our names. Sing out, brethren, in voices long silenced but still heard, harried by a north wind from the past. Let your praises pillow our slumber and grant and greet us like morning mist. Hearken us back from our dreams, brethren. 
and forward into the light. <clears throat> so, sorry for a couple flubs there. I'm still having contact issues, I guess. They are they're like <laughs> filming up. Yeah. yeah. So. <clears throat> oh, um, actually, you know what? We had that contact conversation, I think, before we were recording. Yeah. Um, which is to say, Kathy's got a contact on Inside Out. And still, <laughs> no, I still fixed it, but I'm still feeling did. filmy and odd. But um, okay. I should have told everybody that you can uh, read along with us. You can go look at that poem on PBQ. Uh PBQ's website, and um, I think the structure is in, it's one long, no stanza break, and I'd say at least 16 lines, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so I have to say, like, it, it breaks my heart from the first line, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. that is, the deceased leave behind their voices is both true and also fading truth, right? So... When you are, you know, you've experienced loss like that, you can call up your beloved's name, right? And then that voice begins to fade a little bit, right? And I think that 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 move is that for a first line is really quite bold and it puts me in the move a uh, mood of kind of melodrama and sentimentality. Um, what I love then is the move is summon shoeboxes stacked in the back closet, and then he's got that closet of the mind. So for like that's a woof, right? Like I'm I'm loving the poem, and then pushed right back out with stacked in the black closet of the, of the mind. Right? It's that phrase of the mind, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think shoeboxes stacked I, in the back closet like, would be fine. I love the shoeboxes, right? And <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm willing to forgive the mind because what happens in the next lines others under creaking steps and then this this is like an incantation in leaf whisper water murmur highway home i'm in yeah i'm in right like yeah. that that in that incantatory is that a word it's an <laughs> incantation <laughs> we knew what yep. you meant thank you thank you <laughs> yeah so his his capacity to do this sort of listing um, as a way of drawing focus and attention into the heart of that loss, I, I'm, I'm paying attention. Yeah. It has a great um, rhythmic feel to it without mm -hmm. even needing a rhyme or rhythm. Uh, like later down in the poem, when he just repeats the word voices, voices as pure as light, light as breath. We breathe in these voices in our sleep, taste these voices in the bittersweet, drought of dreams, voices, just... It makes you want to rock back and forth and just just listen. Yeah, so well said, right? I think you're right. I think there is, and look at the way that's almost like linking mobs. Voices is pure as light, light as breath. We breathe, right? And voices in our sleep. And then the sleep gets echoed in the rhyme, taste these voices, there's repetition in the bittersweet. So yeah. you've got sleep and sweet, right, at the end of the line. But tell me, is it drought or draft? I've always heard that word as draft, D-R-A-U-G-H-T. Taste these voices in the bittersweet draft of dreams, as if it's like you're you're um, drinking down something or it's a wind or it's a, you know, a flow of something rather than drought, which I think is O-U-T. But I don't, I don't know. That's somebody, somebody better get the Google out draught. on draft and drought. Or isn't it draught of dreams? And it still I think, means I, what your first definition 
I think it. Let me. I'm. I'm gonna get the Google up in honor of Jason <laughs> yeah. Schneider. I mean, seconds. I think draft is another word, but drought. Wait, dr- draft. No, is what you're saying, Mayor. That you think this is, and I think no, I agree. It's, it's draft, right? She's so D-R-A-U-G-H-T is, draft. is actually pronounced draft, oh. and it's a British spelling. Oh. And that's the, I think that's what we're, we got hung up reading it three different ways, right? So it's a variant spelling. Um, it's a British spelling of. The point of beer. Right, right? don't we still it say. Is, don't we say it without the F and mean the same exact thing? Uh, not according to this. No. Not drought. A first preliminary draft verb to draw the outlines of, to draft, to draw, to pull. Well, that's not what we're talking about. D-R-A? No, I'm, I'm looking, right? It says D-R-A-U-G-H-T, mm-hmm. right? It is a variant spelling of D-R-A-F-T. It's the British spelling of the word draft. Okay, but where's the definition that you just defined about the uh right so then it becomes draft d-r-a-f-t right so i'm I'm looking at dictionary.com so this is not the Uh oed right but dictionary.com gives us d-r-a-u-g-h-t uh variant of draft d-r-a-f-t and then it gives you the history of all that blah 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 blah. then the definition of draft is a drawing a sketch act of drawing a current of air as a verb is to draw to pull to select by draft, right? And then that's the the drawing or the pulling is the, the beer reference to. So on draft to be drawn from cask. Okay. Anyway, so all that to say with Williams, right? Going back to that line, it is, we breathe in these voices in our sleep, taste these voices in the bittersweet draft of dreams, turns that into a sort of like a, a gush, a beer reference, a drink, a, a flow, mm-hmm. right? Rather than the opposite of it, which would have been drought, meaning none, none of it, mm-hmm. the absence of it. Mm-hmm. I think. Which, anyway, to have fallen into this etymological bucket, right, is to say there's an abundance of voices in this poem about loss, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like it. Even where it goes next, you know, horse and buggy us back to the little, little white church in the woods, lay roses on those headstones, carved with our names, because they are your names too, right? Yeah, yeah. And you know what, Kathleen, doesn't this remind you just a little of Abraham Smith? Can't you see Abraham uh-huh. Smith cocking co- his head, brethren? Uh-huh. Singing out yeah. brethren in voices long silence, but still mm-hmm. heard, harried by a north wind from the past. Let your praises pillow well, our slumber. This guy is Texas. Right? Okay, I could just hear Abraham. <laughs> yeah. This guy is Texas. Yeah. Um, H. Whit Williams. The band performs in Austin. Lots. So it makes sense. Yeah. But I think that that brethren, that reference to like this, what feels like old time um, sensibilities, right? Does 
pushes it, you know, into old time Texas, not just Texas, but like some older time mm-hmm. zone. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's not overwhelming too. No, yeah. no. Yeah. I like some of the fun he has with language like horse and buggy us and mm-hmm. uh, praises pillow our slumber. Um, he's doing really f- interesting work to pick apart there with uh, using words in different forms. Yeah. But do you guys get tripped up on the, the shoe boxes of the mind? I, I I don't mind the shoeboxes. I really don't like the phrase of the mind. I would consider asking him to get rid of it because we know it's metaphorical. It's voices in a box, right? It can't be literal. So we don't need of the mind, right? That would be my argument. That's what I would tell him. But it doesn't ruin it. There's so much else that's great yeah, for me I agree. I don't that think I want to dismiss it on the of the mind. And it, it, and it's funny, like nothing else seems like nothing else jumped out at me and made me, you know, a little bit like, eh, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Nice control, nice fun use of language, and and a how? What about that title with this Hog Pride Mountain Nocturne? I don't know, right? Like I'm not sure what. Like that's got to be some sort of sensical reference inside the universe is probably a sequence of poems but i don't get it right um well hot pride mountain i think is a place name yeah right um one of my favorite camping places is just called hawk mountain but mm-hmm. i imagine there, there's one called hot pride mountain somewhere and this is what the night the night song of hot pride yeah. mountain yeah which that part makes perfect sense the kind of like dreamy um, flow of, of ideas and images, right? In mm-hmm. this sort of liminal spot, right? Um, recalling the dead, right? And the voices of, of those that have passed, right? Like it's, yeah. it, you're in that sort of in-between space that the nocturne is perfectly suited for the project, the poem. And you're, I think you're right. I think Hawk Pride is probably just... A place. place, the name of the yeah. mountain. I mean, and maybe seven lines down, it's actually literal what I just said. Most middle of the night seek us mm-hmm. out with their quick and dead sing song. Yeah. So. All right, guys, I think we're ready to vote. And it's unanimous. Woo! Surprise. Yeah, you know, I'm really happy. That's great. Yeah. Terrific. Mountain Doctor. It's a lovely home. Terrific. Terrific. All right. We have another one here. I think he must go by Wit since he goes H. Wit Williams. Um, so That's mm, a bold name for a poet. <laughs> it is. Bold name for a poet. Wit Williams, I, I know. Sarah, do you want to read Alabama Field Holler? Uh, sure. Alabama Field Holler. I have decided to blame no one for my life. Robert Bly. Winter morning all hollowed out, whistling its one-note ballad. Morning bark stripped, sanded down, held over a flame. A wood smoke morning piping clear across, back pastures of my childhood. Let me wake early to cop the riffs of this bygone morning song. 
Let me stomp out with snare drum past granddaddy's electric fence. I'll get in tune with morning, root myself down into the hard red clay. I'll call a blues to myself in 4-4 time. Stand back and await the response. I want to love this poem, mm -hmm. and I'm not feeling it, right? So I love that title, Alabama Field Holler. And I also like the provocation of, of the epigraph. I've decided to blame no one for my life. Yeah, and then if line. I'm understanding this, like moving out into a field and, and, and shouting, right? It, it's also a kind of prayer, right? So it's this wishfulness. Let me wake up, right? Let me, let me stomp out, right? Um, and then tuning in with, with this morning. But it, for me, it doesn't coalesce in the same richness that the previous poem does. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's hollering, I think he's, I'll call a blues to myself. Mm -hmm. But maybe he's, I think he's playing music. But either way, and then he's waiting for the response, right? Yeah, yeah. It is called holler. Yeah, stand back and await the response. I mean, I do love that notion of like a sort of call and response. You put your art out and you wait for the, the response. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so it feels it feels like a, a, a quiet, right? Um, waiting, even though it's full of full of noise, right? Let me wake early to cop the riffs of this bygone morning song. I was just looking I at that. I love that line. Oh, but, uh, okay, yes, I completely agree. And also, a wood smoke morning piping clear across back pastures of my childhood. That, that prepositional phrase, right, of my, you know, like, it's, it's not unlike the lampshades of desire, the closet of the mind, the... Right there's there's something like in the, the the rhythm of his delivery that it just I don't know like the back pastures of my childhood lampshades of desire where's that from <laughs> that's okay wait a second that is some old school Lisa Zeidner teaching from nineteen I don't know what Rutgers oh it was just like sarcastic total sarcasm so Lisa yeah. Zeidner used to like warn against. Right. Um, the lampshades of desire. Lampshades of desire, right? Right. The shoebox of the mind. The <laughs> I'll tell you pastures. what, though. Of all of these, the back pastures of my childhood is the only one that is literal. I know. You know? I know. But the rhythm of it in the in the piece, like, I don't know why that troubles me so. A wood smoke morning pipe and clear across back pastures of, of my childhood, right? Like, it is absolutely literal, but the rhythm of the sentence makes me... Was, right and mm -hmm. maybe it's just because of the, the poem we looked at a, a moment ago right but um it seems to like quiet the flow of this a little bit okay morning piping clear cross back childhood pastures 
No. I think I think childhood back pastures. Childhood. Oh, no, I'm trying to move it. It's a modifier, right? So if we mm-hmm. said morning piping clears across my back, my childhood's back pastures. But what is that? What are you actually saying? It's like, are you? Is this the 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 pastures of your of your fam like of your family that? Are, so yeah. are you in these childhood pastures, or is this like a, a mental? I'm remembering the pastures of my childhood. Are you physically in the pastures, or are you calling? I think he's physically there, and that's why he's taking this moment to try to uh, try to have this spiritual moment. Yeah, you so know, the he's walking past Grant. That's a time signature, not a not a place, right? So it's like it's well, piping here across my family's back pastures would do it. Right. He's definitely on his family's property, past granddaddy's electric fence. But mm-hmm. I but I think it might be important that they're the childhood the pastures of his childhood and not really just his family's property. His family's property has way less resonance, I think, than mm-hmm. childhood pastures. I mean, it might be twofold, both physical mm-hmm. and mental. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. like, he's walking through, and as he's walking through, you know, memories are surfacing. Right. All right, Marcel Proust. Right. Exactly. It's the the, the memory of the past surfacing in the moment. I get it. I get it. I really I'll get to the yeah. morning, root myself down into the hard red clay. I'll call the blues to myself in four four time. Stand back and await the response. It's like half an abad and half a manifesto. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I um the more time we're spending with it, I'm not finding more to pick on. I'm actually finding more to like. I, I like all of the words that are music words. Mm-hmm. You know, which he's whistling, piping, riffs, stomp with a snare drum, right? I'll get in tune. I there's, I like I like that line through. I have the through line. <laughs> I like the through line of the musical terminology mm-hmm. with Alabama Field Holler. I wonder. Hmm. So, are we feeling what we're feeling? Are all the feelings there? Uh, and almost. Um, <laughs> but please pause for a moment while Wikipedia chimes in in lieu of Jason Schneiderman. <laughs> the field holler or field call is a mostly historical type of vocal music sung by Southern laborers to accompany their work to communicate usefully or to vent feelings. It differs from the collective work song in that it was sung solo, though early observers noted that a holler or cry might be echoed by other workers. Oh, cool. So now I like it even more. (laughs) Me too, too, I have to say, because now, and I know that like some people might disagree with this, like to me it now feels like Ars Poetica. Like he's actually talking not just about calling into the field, but calling out his role as a poet, like or calling out his role as a musician, right? Mm-hmm. That I will call blues to myself in a four or four time and stand back and wait, await the response. It's like 
I'm the noiseless patient spider. I am sending out, you know, my my making into the world and perhaps there will be a response. Like actually I'm a sucker for that stuff, right? So I kind of like that reflexive layer mm-hmm. now that I understand what a field holler is. So mm-hmm. hmm. just using that term makes it um, timeless, I think like reaching back into history to use that term, which I think is is really similar to the the first poem. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Hmm. This is surprising. I was ready to not like this poem, right? Like I was ready to be like piff, right? But this, I think, knowing a little bit more um, about the the framework really adds depth for me. So great, it grows on you. All right. Okay, then. Um, Let's vote. Are we ready? One, two, three, vote. And it's in. Woohoo! Oh, all right, friends. Good job, H. Witt Williams. You know what I want to do now? I want to take a musical break all of this music reference and here's something from Cotton Mather and Joe uh, Zhang our audio engineer has chosen something um, so what is it Joe what's the name of what we're going to hear this track is Lily Dreams On by Cotton Mather You don't 
the only thing I know about Cotton Mather is he's like Ben Franklin, right? He wrote a lot. He he said he wrote a lot of pamphlets and brochures. Okay. That's that's like the only historic fact I remember from seventh grade. Last time Tyson. I ever studied Cotton you're Mather. Gonna, you're gonna love this, Kathleen. Hmm. Cotton Mather and his father, Increase Mather, right, were super important early <laughs> and also really supportive of wait for it the Salem witch trials. Supportive so of them? Supportive of them. So they were so, on the They wanted all those little girls to burn? Duncan ye old witches. Oh. So, yeah. So now that you Cotton say Mather, it, I think I remember his role in the uh, famous, you know, in the play. Yeah. 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 So they have a, you know, they're, they're super influential voices in early America, like 1600, late 1600s. Yeah. Um, do you recall yeah. that now that she said that? Like when nope. you read the Salem, did you ever read the, the, um, the Crucible? The Crucible? No. Oh, really? And I don't know. I didn't remember Cotton Mathers until I looked him up for this guy. So you went to Catholic school Just, your whole life, right? Yep. <laughs> I wonder if they skipped that on purpose. I wouldn't be surprised like at all. I mean, he's too, a Puritan, right? Like they right? just don't want to yeah. open up all that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, history. All girls' is all... Catholic school are Sarah. Not for four years. The the high school years was, were yeah. were all girls. <laughs> you know. I was taught by real nuns. They didn't want you to, you know, become witches. Yeah. Well, Get okay. influenced so negatively. In, in, in you know how girls are. Reading. Teen girls. <laughs> One girl becomes oh, anorexic, and they all right? they oh, all start puking gosh. up their oh, lunch. Oh no, it's true. All right now, all right now. But okay, so the Mathers, let's say, right, were super vocal, super passionate, religious intellectuals, right? Like that was their thing, right? They really, mm -hmm. um, you know, participated in rallying people to ideas and to to a kind of like. Um, you know, kind of a push towards rational, rationalism, but at the same time, we're anchored straight up in these witch trials. So it, they're complicated. <laughs> and I say this to you, full disclosure, my mother and my aunt would, would remind me constantly that we're related. So <laughs> mother's side of the family, we track back to the Mathers. And my friend, my very dear friend, wow. Joe Califf, um, who's a teacher of writing at Princeton, tracks back to the witches. And oh, so Joe no. and Joe, like drinks together in New York and be like, so how's it going? <laughs> Your family killed some of his family at some point. Great, yes. And also, yes. Yeah, that's pretty fucked up, Mayor. <laughs> yeah, you know, greetings from Abu Dhabi. Yeah, um, so they were in Virginia, the Mathers? Didn't all no, that happen? No, no. They, were, they were mostly up, in the North. Further up, right? yeah. So yeah. Like, you know, um, Boston, there was Salem, Massachusetts. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's why I thought your family was all Virginia forever and ever, but I guess not. That's the southern side. That would be my daddy's side. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening. Uh, remember to tell us what you think on our Facebook page. Send us emails directly about your thoughts and um, would love to have questions that you might want answered on our podcast. So anything you might want to ask us that you think other people might be thinking about too, send us a letter. And if you would like a podcast sticker for your laptop, send us a good old-fashioned self-addressed stamped envelope and we'll send you one. Uh, keep reading and um, thanks again. <laughs>